take a sweet. Mm, it's almost that time. Take yeah, man, the Swig Podcast, man. Yeah, we gotta tune in. Man, let me grab this beer right quick, man. Yeah, let me get my drink ready. Yeah, yeah. Man, shoot, man. They be talking about all types of stuff on the man, the loggers, the man. There's some beers I ain't never even heard of on there. We about to learn about them, though, too. What's up, world? It's your boy, Kramer, a.k.a. The Bearded Brother, back at it again with another live edition of the Swig Podcast. And of course, who's uh, by my side, socially distant, is my lovely co-host. Shani Hadid, the marvelous gift in the building. How y'all doing, people? In live Facebook land? Like, y'all can answer me. But, (laughs) I mean, in the chat, you can tell me how you're doing, though. I do kind of. Care. We do appreciate that. I care a little bit. We care about y'all on this show. That's what we're trying to say. Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much how we'll go. Well, yeah, but of course, I gotta ask you, what you drinking on, uh, Shawnee? No, let's tell them what we're talking about today. Oh yeah, even more important. Yes, uh, we're talking about the diversity in craft beer and how that does that look like to us and how we can continue to manifest that in breweries across the country in the world. Yeah, man, uh, diversity is important, and um, we brought some, some some friends to join us today to to join in on the conversation of um, how we can, you know, make some changes in the craft beer uh, community, um, make some changes in the craft beer community, so we can so it can feel more welcoming, um, so so we can expand our uh, customer base, so we can expand our palettes. Listen, I'm trying to bring all the people to breweries because that's where I like to hang. And, too. Um, and and so I want one big melting pot at the brewery. And in order to make that happen, we got to have the conversations. We got to start them. Um, so we'll go across. Uh, we'll let you all introduce yourselves. But um, we'll start with you, Sharon, if you can, you know, let, let people know what you're drinking who you are. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I really appreciate y'all having us tonight. And Shawnee, it's just been such a pleasure getting to know you over the last few weeks. Um, I'm Sharon Mickey. I'm the executive director for the Tennessee Craft Brewers Guild. We exist to advance the interests um, and promote craft beer in Tennessee. And so I feel like this is a great partnership that we have struck up here recently. So. I'm excited about that. Please forgive me, even though I always, always, always drink Tennessee craft beer. Tonight, I am drinking a perennial. This has been in my refrigerator for a while and I've been saving it. It's um, the Saison de Lee and it's a lovely can and also only 5% ABV. Oh, yeah. Just had that like uh, like two weeks ago or something, I think on a podcast. Yeah, I was just about to uh, ask. <laughs> Like you and had even that one. Proper glassware. I would just like to demonstrate. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> Proper glassware isn't necessary. It helps, but you know, long as the the fluid gets in in you, that's all that really matters. It's more important to have fun glassware. That's all. My glass. My glass that's has true. no lipstick on it at all. We can change that. We can change that, Carl. You know, well, I think we, we probably make something happen. <laughs> Go ahead and introduce yourself and what you're drinking, Carl. It would make it more fun. 
Um, my name's Carl. I'm one of the uh, one of the owners at Black Abbey Brewing Company, based here in Nashville. Uh, we opened on Sidco Drive in uh, the south side of town in 2013. Uh, so September will be our uh, seven year anniversary. Uh, I'm drinking Czech Condition, which is our Pilsner. <clears throat> Just came out last week. Uh, it's a partnership with uh, Great Escape uh, Records, CDs, and DVDs. Uh, I'm kind of a vinyl junkie. I love records. And uh, I've always been, I always laugh about going to Great Escape because they uh, they put these stickers that sort of look like this on records that are of, uh, you know, been really loved. And uh, we <laughs> thought, uh, you know, only they say check condition, like C-H-E-C-K. And uh, we thought, oh, that would be really fun to do a collaborative project. And uh, so we thought we would do a check pills and call it check condition, like C-Z-E-C-H. So we made a Pilsner and then this is actually my record player uh, on the label. Oh, nice. So that's kind of cool. That's, that's dope. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm drinking a little check pills. It's uh, just four and a half percent, just real easy drinking, uh, 16 ounce cans available at your local liquor stores now. <laughs> Appreciate the plug. <laughs> I'm all about the plugs. You know, I actually, um, I had that at a bottle share. <laughs> I had that at a bottle share um, Saturday and it was, it was nice. I did Great. not realize everything going on with the can. Um, it was dark. There were several Well, and, uh, you know, we've, we've so. taken, like, this is like, this right here is straight stealing. Uh, this, this little design, this box that tells about what the beer is. I absolutely stole that from Southern Grist. That's how they, uh, talk about their beers on their cans and I thought that was a really great idea so we're now doing that on our 16s because uh, I want to be cool like those guys hey I don't think they mind they don't uh, it's a, you know imitation is the most sincere form of flattery so uh, they're, they're very nice guys and I like to flatter them that's good I, I, I like flattery I'll um you can take something to mine and then you can you know butter me up as well okay we'll, well y'all are Same here you've been very nice so far and and so i'm i'm very <laughs> glad to be here thank you for including me y'all are very attractive people you know i try i try i, try. I work out sometimes to work out <laughs> so uh pat you know you you've made it you you messaged me that maybe you you would have some trouble you got on with no problems at least you, didn't well, you know, that's funny you should mention that because right now I'm looking at a completely black screen. But I, I don't know what the deal is. So all Carl's visuals were lost on me. But I, I, I closed my eyes and I, I really saw what he was talking about. Um, we can so see you. My, my tech uh, cavemanism is in full effect on my end. And I used to work with computers before this and I used to touch them and they used to break. If I looked at them, they would malfunction, but if I actually touched them, so uh, this is par for my course, but I've been living with this since the time of technology. So it's, it's fine with me. Um, my name is Pat. I'm uh, one of two owners along with Jeff uh, at Various Artists Brewing Company located on Elm Hill Pike in Nashville, Tennessee. We've been open, uh, our year anniversary was May 15th. So we didn't really get to celebrate it that much and we hope to get to have uh, celebration of that at some point, um, but we were really starting to get a toehold, we thought, 
I was really starting to figure out how this business worked as far as being one year into it as opposed to being no years into it, which is a, a large first step. Um, and then all this stuff happened, and uh, it's uh, it's been fun getting real creative lately and figuring out how to sell beer. So the, the mind is very active at 4.15 a.m. on a regular basis. Um, but that's part of the fun of it, I suppose. And I, I know I'm not the only one um, dealing with that, but... Uh, that's what the beer's for, too. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, just drown it all in beer, man. Um. <laughs> yes. That's the key to everything. So, you, Pat, you mentioned, um, you know, the everything that's going on and how it's affecting you. Um, are oh, you that... all... Come again? I said, oh, that thing? Yeah, that thing, you know. <laughs> The, that shall that shall not be named. You know what I'm saying? Like that is a, a no. But we call it the Rona. You know, some COVID. Um, just I don't know what other names people out there. That damn thing. I, there's some names that I'm not I'm not entertaining. But that's another that's another conversation. Um, so yeah, how are how how is everything affecting you all um, with your brewery and we have, you know. Uh, well, you know, we, our, our entire situation, for the most part, I mean, 98% of it was dependent on people coming into our tap room and enjoying our brand of, of uh, hospitality. Um, and, and, and that's gone now, and that's really how, how it happened for us, is people would come in, and it's such a small place. You can't come in and get away from people you're a part of the thing and it was a very comfortable place for people to come to have a beer by themselves you always know you're going to either know somebody at the bar or somebody sitting at the bar so it was you know we have a, we had in a very short amount of time accumulated a, a fantastic group of, of regulars you know people you would pay to have be your neighbors good good folks and it was great and now we don't get to see them uh and that's i mean like in real, you know, the money part of it sucks too because we're not making any money. But not being able to to see the, the the people, and that sounds kind of cliche or you know whatever. But I didn't get into this to count money, and no one who did did worked out for some people like that, I suppose. But um, I wanted to I wanted to hang out with cool people and and sip on beers and try and figure out how this business worked and put my spin on it if there is a spin. Um, and that all kind of got, the, the rug was pulled out from underneath that. And uh, for a four barrel brewery, um, which is really seven kegs at the end of that, at the end of that brew, that's not a whole lot of beer to, 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 to push. And, you know, we weren't in the market. So trying to get into the market right now is very interesting. Yeah. Um, we've, got, we've gotten some very, very kind folks who are buying beer in this town at establishments who, even if they hadn't been here, had heard of us, or even if they hadn't heard of us, we're very open to talking about it. Um, so the hardest part, that 25-minute answer, uh, the hardest part is trying to completely flip-flop a business model that we were just starting to try to almost have the notion of possibly figuring out. Yeah. So we're on our way. Uh, I'm currently drinking one of your beers. Oh, I hope you're enjoying it. Yeah, indoor fireworks. 
IPA with Citra and Amarillo hops. Ooh, those are actually hops I enjoy, so I might have to uh, pick those up, pick that it's, up. It's good money. It's good money. Um, you wrote a poem <laughs> on this, didn't you, Pat? Is this your poem? I think Brian was telling me your. You know, it's just inspired by the, the wonder of love and the joy of fear and, <laughs> and the need to get a label done. All those things came together. And uh, my wife and I make the labels together. And, uh, you know, we were sitting there. And I, I'm, I'm an interesting person to work with when it comes to details. Just ask anybody, Jeff especially. Um, so she's a very sweet, wonderful, talented person who is so patient with me, and that's just kind of what happened. How, Pat, how are we not hanging out all the time? Uh, Carl, you would have to come here to do that, because if you remember your first year... Um, I do. You're there all the time now, I know, too. Um, yeah, it's just... Uh, this is where I am um, most of the time, and I, and I love that, but I look forward to being able to go out now as someone who's a part of the community to go to other breweries and uh, really taste the love because I, I, I get it only here because I'm, I'm here all the time. But yeah. I look forward to, to getting to do more of that, Carl. Between I, uh, you, who would be the sweet one? It's definitely not me. <laughs> I, I'm 100% the curmudgeon. <laughs> Well, we Only curmudgeons use curmudgeons. Like what? Right. <laughs> that is a word deep in the dictionary's pocket. You just pulled out right <laughs> there. It's just it's for it's just for the old guys. <laughs> you know, the, the the just the grouchy old man who complains about everything. That's probably me. Um but it, it's funny. <laughs> what's that? I said these damn kids get off my lawn. <laughs> no, that's totally me. But uh, it's funny, Pat, that you say about uh, writing a poem on the bottle. Uh, when we were getting ready to put beer into cans, uh, we were sitting in the office and I'd written like a description that was going to go on the can. I'd started with Rose, which is our flagship, and just said, you know, I don't know. It's a Belgian blonde, tastes like this, smells like this. And I shared it with John, my business partner, and he said, that's terrible. <laughs> well, that's not a very nice thing to say. Like, what do you mean it's terrible? He's like, I mean, it's just terrible. Like, you, you know, when we first opened, you used to write these like flowery descriptions that would go on the menus and all this stuff. Like, maybe we should have something on there that's more like poetic. I got real grouchy. I'm like, I'm poetic. I'll show you poetic. And so I wrote a haiku. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, how about this? And I read it to him and he's like, that's it. I'm like, I just wrote a haiku. And so I wrote a haiku and there's a haiku on every one of our beer cans that describes what the beer is. And uh, that's why that's there. Uh, because John told me what I wrote was terrible. And so I got mad and wrote a poem. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a healthy way to channel your anger through writing. So I just, yes, I just let my five, seven fives out and I feel a lot better about life. Now I have to, I have the, a can of uh, Ambrosia IPA of yours. I had already knocked that one back. Um, I'm going to see what the haiku says on there. Uh, uh, there, there is a haiku. I'm pretty sure there's a haiku on Ambrosia. There's definitely one on Check Condition. Uh, check Condition says, "Lagered for six weeks, European Malton hops. Check your condition." I like it. So there you go. I'm a poet, and I wasn't even cognizant of the fact. <laughs> You're a poet, and you didn't even know it. 
Okay. I don't know. I can't remember if I wrote a poem for Ambrosia. I may not have. I, I Ambrosia is part of our like yacht rock series because you know we love smooth jams, and and so the uh, the the stuff on the side of Ambrosia is very uh, specific to uh, the '70s uh, smooth rock band Ambrosia. Uh, there's several lyrical references oh, wow. in that uh, <clears throat> thing I stole from Southern Grist on the side. Huh. Okay. I don't th I've never heard of Ambrosia the band. I just learned about you saw my post about the Ambrosia salad. Oh my God, <laughs> I laughed so hard. <laughs> oh, I honestly learned so about funny. the same thing too. Oh my God, it was so funny because I'm reading it and I'm like, how? I mean, I guess it's just such a regional thing. Um, you know, like when we first moved down here, I'd never had poppy seed chicken before. And uh, when when uh, when my daughter was born, somebody brought us a casserole and we were like, what is this? And they're like, it's poppy seed chicken. You bake it. It's like, it looks like ambrosia without the fruit. <laughs> they didn't, I didn't know what ambrosia was. So it's, a, it's such a funny Northeastern thing. Yeah, see, I, I had never experienced ambrosia salad before. Um, my father-in-law brought some over one holiday and we tucked it in the back of the fridge during that time because we know what this is. All this good food. We got sweet potato pie and right. you know, candy yep. yams and then like ambrosia salad. But had I tried the beer first, I would have definitely been open to to having uh, that ambrosia salad. The beer is really good. I, I It's fun. It's, Thank you. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Kramer, um, you know, what are you drinking? You know, I'm going with uh, another local uh, area. It's funny you brought them up about their description of beer. I'm actually drinking their Southern Crisp, Southern, mm -hmm. Southern, Southern Crisp right here. It's uh, their Pilsner, and it's unfiltered. And I think that's like the magical touch to it because it gives it a good full body, even though it's like only like 4%. So it's a very easy, refreshing drink to have. I love those guys. You know, they get way out there and they do these crazy things and then they come right back and do just something these, even crazier. Yeah, just like a beautiful Nelson Savin unfiltered pills that's like just so great. Yes, it's very good for the baby beer drinkers out there. This is a very good foundation to get started on if you want a good Pilsner. Yeah, and it's funny. I think a lot of the people in the industry uh gravitate towards that style uh mm -hmm. just because you know every I, I feel like a lot of breweries are trying to produce like the next greatest wildest craziest thing uh but then when we're sitting around drinking we're drinking you know bud heavy or coors banquet or you know like we gravitate back to that pilsner style uh, mm -hmm. and i think a lot of the reason for that is when you're in it all day long and you're analyzing it like I got to drink it and then I take it apart. Um, I never have to think about bud, right? Bud tastes how bud tastes and it never tastes any different. And so I don't, I don't have to process it. I don't, it, it makes beer not work. Um, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? I feel like it makes it mindless a little bit. Exactly. If I just want to sit down and drink three beers and, and I don't want to have to say, uh, I wish this had a little more of this or, oh, I, gosh, I, I, we should tweak the rest you know like if i just want to turn it off um then it, it makes it really nice to just say you know what i'm gonna drink a, a natter days is that that nasty beer with gatorade thing that you made yeah it's that nasty stuff you hate 
Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell the audience exactly what that is? Your little. Uh, Natterdays is strawberry lemonade mixed with natural light. It's in a uh, like a pink can with flamingos on it. Look, everybody just threw up in their mouths a little bit. <laughs> except for your, except for your dog, who apparently is thrown up all over that bed back there. There's like a giant fuzz mess. Yeah, he just stuffed a donut. Oh, a stuffed donut. <laughs> he heard not Natterday. He's like, nope, not in this house. <laughs> Where is it? Is it in here? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought about that nowadays. I just haven't gotten it yet. Um, I mean, let's be honest. Like, I'm not really trying to get it, so I would have to try it in a in, in at an event or something. Somebody got to have some some in the cooler, and I'll crack one open. But I get a. I usually I'll go for uh, you know what I don't even know what type of light lighter beer, not light beer like Bud Light, but lighter beer that I would drink. I'm trying to get a rent a boat soon, so I probably need to figure that out because I want something that I can enjoy on the boat. Yeah, some lighter and stuff. Maybe you know, there's a lot of those styles that are made by big breweries, whether it's Bud or Miller or Coors, and then uh, there's a lot of that very similar style that's made by local craft breweries. Uh, Wiseacres Tiny Bomb is so great. Yeah, uh, stuff is good. You know. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, we had that Southern Crisp, which I think is really excellent. Uh, uh, Blackstone is part owner of a company called uh, Nashville Brewing Company, and Nashville Lager is great. Oh, yeah, uh, that's phenomenal, too. So there's lots of really good styles made by local craft brewers that fit that. The Rose. Box, you know? It's like the Rose is a perfect good outside mm-hmm. beer. Even your uh, special, like your special outside of your 44, that's like mm-hmm. my favorite like flagship of yours by thank you by far but i go with that special if like for some weird reason i can't get 44 i won't be upset carrying a six-pack of the special home i was like thank you Uh, the special really for me is it so for those of you watching uh who have never had it uh special is a belgian double uh seven and a half percent looks dark but drinks really light uh it's uh it's very dry. Uh, we use dark candy sugar to give it that nice dark, uh, rich ruby red color uh, without giving a lot of roast like you would get in a porter or a stout. Mm. And uh, so it drinks real easy, even though it's a seven and a half percent beer that can, uh, you know, rattle your cage a little bit. Drink uh, it slow. Drink it, take, take your time. Enjoy every sip. <laughs> and you throw it back and crush the can and... I know. I'm. This says the guy who's moving on to his second beer already. Hey, no judgment here. We yeah, not at all. <laughs> no, if you applaud that. If, if this wasn't COVID times, we'd have we'd be around a circle, you know, trying a couple and having these conversations. That's <laughs> the uh, it, the good thing is it allows us to bring more people on. You know, mm-hmm. going Zoom, but um, just how it is with the breweries. It's nothing like having somebody at the table and you're able to have those conversations, especially um, with something as uh, important as, you know, as this topic. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, um, Sharon, so how you, you didn't chime in. How is, um, how, how's the, the guild? Affecting, uh, like what you have going on? So, and, and sorry, I apologize. I'm keeping my mic on mute because 
of the great unstuffing of the donut happening behind me. <laughs> Natterdays, I tell you. So from a statewide perspective, um, you know, the what did you call it earlier, Shani? The Rona? The Rona. The Rona. The Rona, yeah. the Rona has um, devastated, uh, I mean, nationally it's devastated uh, craft beer. Um, you know, statewide, we're, it's a, the, our state is a reflection of what's happening nationally. We did a survey in May, and at that point, over half of the breweries um, responded by saying that their revenue was down by 60% or greater, and that was in May. Mm. So just a couple of months into it, um, interestingly enough, 80 83%, if not more, of our breweries received those PPP loans. That's great. That's amazing. Which, which was great. I don't know if, if Carl wants to chime in on that or not, but eventually that PPP money ran out and the businesses are still closed. Um, but, you know, it's tough. The Brewers Association, which is, you know, our national organization, has laid off um, or let go almost half of their staff. Um, they're not funding any of their grants or programs this year. I mean, this has really devastated our industry. And, and then if you add on top of the fact that at the beginning of March, Middle Tennessee had tornadoes. So, yeah. so you know, our friends at Little Harpeth, um, yeah, you know, and, and then um, Crazy Gnome was just about to open and didn't get to. I mean, it's just been yeah. unbelievable. Um, and uh, I think, you know, one thing that it has really sort of, I think, a light is being shown on the fact that, you know, we've got beer boards all across the state of Tennessee that regulate their community beer. Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, when the governor put out the order originally saying that liquor could be delivered, that did not include beer. It did not. Yes, so you I saw could, that. Anywhere in the state of Tennessee, you could order a margarita to go, but it was up to the individual beer board in that community to, to decide whether or not a beer could be delivered to your home. And to me, that's just, it just does not make any sense at all. But um, you know, we had little communities and big communities. I mean, thankfully, Davidson County was on the forefront of that. And we sort of, you know, our beer board is wonderful. And they really set, I think, the tone. Ooh, sorry about that. <laughs> that was sprinkles. And the stuffing went down the wrong pipe. Um, but, you know, it was just really interesting to see how it did or didn't happen in different communities across the state. And then likewise with the reopening. I mean, we've got breweries in other parts of the state that are open. Their tap rooms are open. They're they're doing business. Well, we've got business. Okay, we've got breweries in in Nashville that are also doing that, even though they're not supposed to. But. Right, right. You know, I, I was gonna hold that one a little right. bit. Yeah. Right. right. I wasn't gonna say anything, but since you brought it up, <laughs> the idea is basically. I think there's 400 beer boards and. Um, Carl and I were having a conversation one day about, you know, this is just a patchwork quilt of different rules and regulations wherever you go. It's not just county-based. 
there are counties that have beer boards within the community like Berry Hill. So it's just been um, working through all of that from a state perspective has been a real challenge. So. Yeah, and then like, like take Pat. Pat, are you doing self-distro? Uh, we dabbled in it, um, but with such a small crew of two, it, it became it became too much and we had to discontinue that. We're looking to do that right now and get back into it, but uh, before this happened, we had kind of laid off of that. Yeah, I mean, because like you'll know, if you sell a keg to ML Rose, you gotta pay Davidson County your wholesaler tax, but if you sell a keg to Craft Brood right across the street, you gotta pay Barry Hill that wholesaler tax. And and they Why is that? Across the street. <laughs> What's that? They're literally across the street. They're yeah, right there. Yes, 30, 30 feet, 90, 30 yards. <laughs> exactly. Like it takes 15 seconds to walk across the street if you're fast. And and it's it's in Barry Hill has their own beer board. And so they collect that wholesaler tax. And so it's just uh, when we did self distro, we would pay Davidson County. But if I delivered to uh, Sportsman's Grill in Bellmead. I had to pay Bellmead for that because they're their own municipality within Davidson. And, uh, you know, you craft brewed, and this was before Hattie Bees was over there, but the, you know, the Berry Hill locations, you got to pay your taxes to them. So, and when we first started paying Berry Hill, they called like, why are you sending us this money? Like, because the attorney said to, and it's just you don't even know that I'm supposed to send that money. Right. <laughs> they didn't know. They sent it back. That's the truth. And then I would and, put it in your pocket, and then they come and hit you with the tax, and they come on the back end. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like it, I we if we had just taken a bit, and like, well, they sent it back. Whatever. It's only a matter of time before they come calling to say you haven't paid us these taxes. Well, you sent them back. Well, that's not my fault. You still owe them, and all these fees and fines and et cetera. So. Uh, yeah, the beer the beer tax structure in the state of Tennessee. I, I wrote a letter to Mayor Cooper just this past week talking about this specific issue. Uh, the taxes in the state of Tennessee are the highest in the nation on beer, and if we cut them in half, like we, if we cut our tax tax beer to wholesaler tax everything in half, we'd still be number five. Wow, incredible! Yeah, and. And despite all of that, I mean, we're not, we're in the top 25 states of, you know, most number of breweries. So we do have, we have around 108 craft breweries in Tennessee right now. Okay. Which is pretty good. I mean, we're about, you know, middle, middle range, even though we've got, you know, super high taxes, people are still drawn and attracted to coming to Tennessee, but obviously you know, it's whether or not we can keep our own breweries in business and lowering that wholesale tax, especially in a time like this, would make a huge difference for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, just talking specifically about expanding market reach and expanding uh, your your uh, beer consuming market base, uh, Yazoo has been the largest brewery in the state for at least five years every year that we've been open uh i think that this year it will likely be wiseacre uh but regardless if you take yazoo as an example <clears throat> yazoo does about twenty-five thousand barrels a year they're 15 years old 
Yeah. Black Abbey is going to be seven years. There's a brewery in Cincinnati, Ohio called Rheingeist that opened the same year we did. Good beer. And, and delicious beer. They make excellent beer. Rheingeist, now seven years old. And again, in a city that, you know, Nashville MSA is about a million six. The Cincinnati MSA is about three million. So just over twice our, just about twice our size. Okay. Rheingeist, two years ago, did over 100,000 barrels. And they're 10 years younger than Yazoo. So when, when you start looking at Tennessee and the beer scene, and you look at, you know, we all think about Blackstone and Yazoo as, as the uh, godfathers of craft beer in, in Tennessee, even our oldest and our largest breweries aren't even doing 10% of what a seven-year-old brewery in Cincinnati is doing. And part of that has to do with taxes, but part of it has to do with culture. Like, why are people in Tennessee not craft beer consumers? And Kent at Blackstone is going to love that you called him the grandfather and oldest. <laughs> uh, if, listen, if y'all, right now. I, we should get Kent a shirt that says, get off my lawn. <laughs> He's way more crotchety than I am. Curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> these words <laughs> he's a hundred times worse today. than me <laughs> although kent and i kent and i are like uh if you ever watched the muppet show you remember statler and waldorf who used to sit up in the in the balcony and and make fun of the show like why um, do we keep coming to this show yeah, this yeah, is yeah. terrible that's that's me and kent <laughs> i love it partners together love it. Partners but um so y'all are dealing with everything with the Rona. Um, and of course, within that time, George, George Floyd's murder happens. And the world that was already turned upside down. Got turned upside down again. Did so, another flip of, you know. And, but the opposite way. Yeah. So as you all are, you know, and, and so there's been a, a push for diversity in craft beer from, you know, the the, the black craft beer drinkers. Um, I've seen a lot of it on, on Instagram and such. And um, I'm sure that's a, a, a slightly difficult um, arena to navigate during this time because part of part of the brewery is community coming in opening the doors and sitting at the table and really um creating that inviting space but you can't you can't help mend those fences and you know build that bridge as you're handing beer through a car window on you know the pickup service i i can i can only imagine that um you know, because even for myself with having the Black Beer experience, I kicked off 2020 like, okay, I'm going to do some things and I'm going to create some some opportunities. And then COVID hit and it's like, you got to figure out how to pivot. Uh, and and then the, the diversity aspect really picked up because everybody's... Um, for lack of a better word, scrutinizing different industries to, mm -hmm. to determine, you know, where, what needs to be fixed. And so Kramer and I have done so had some conversations of, of things that we think could, um, could benefit the community 
But before we get to that, I want, I'm wondering like, what's your, well, Carl, I think this was you and I, and my memory is not the greatest though. I, um, I still consider myself young. My memory is a little older than I, but you mentioned the craft bear avatar. I did. We were okay. So we were at, we, we had coffee together and yep. you were talking about the, the craft bear avatar and what that what that looks like who is the average craft beer drinker oh okay all right Ooh, yep. look okay see i <laughs> you perked right up well when you said avatar i immediately saw this like you know purple creature thing from the movie uh, and, and so it just took me a minute to catch up with you um it yes the when it's funny we uh this has been it, a year ago, this past February, uh, we we worked with uh, a group of executive MBA folks from the Owen School of Management, and they did sort of a market research study about Black Abbey uh, as a class project, which was very useful and very helpful. And one of the first things they asked us was, who do you think your Black Abbey consumer is? And we said, people that look like me middle-aged white guys with beards mm -hmm. that's was exactly what we said and uh that's not what the research held up though the research came back and said it's 24 to 44 year old females broad spectrum of uh color included and we were very surprised but i don't think we should have been because <laughs> of rose right rose uh sort of sort of skips across all uh gender or like or like it, it seems it doesn't seem like oh only dudes drink rose or only ladies drink rose it's okay. just it just sort of skips across the top it covers all the blocks and you were saying whenever bros, and i was like what no not bros rose beers the rose you were saying bros skip genders and generations and i was like I don't know where you're going with it. Rose. Yeah. I know it's such bad. Um, but so, uh, and then I got to thinking whenever I work beer festivals, the, the folks that come up to the, to the table and they say, I love the Rose. It's my favorite beer. At least 60% of the time, it seems to be female ladies. And, and so it, it I was very surprised. And I think that that little bit of demographic information really sort of opened our eyes to craft beer is more than just the dude with the like balding overweight white dude <laughs> uh, that everyone sort of automatically attaches to, like you say, the, the avatar, that, um, that image of what the craft beer consumer is yeah, uh, has started to change. Uh, and when you and I met, this was probably about that same time when we went and had coffee. This was maybe fall of 2019 mm -hmm. to talk about how, like, how do you change or how do you broaden the scope of who, not just who drinks your beer from a, like, from a selfish standpoint, like, how do you, I, I hate to make it sound that way. Like, how do you try to get folks to come in and buy stuff that you're producing, but how as a movement does craft beer uh, connect 
with different races, different religions, different genders, different non-binary folks. Like how, how do we connect across uh, a very diverse world that we live in with something that seems to be so pigeonholed into uh, that avatar? And, and that's a big challenging question. Yeah, Kramer and I were talking about that yesterday as far as the, the avatar is and having to get away from explaining that quote unquote person as the beer drinker because I'm a beer drinker, Kramer's a beer drinker. So Very much. If, we, if we start talking about the different types of beer drinkers instead of just putting out that, uh, you know, guy with the beard um, idea right. of, a, of a craft beer drinker, then I think the the narrative overall will start changing. So that's part of one of the one of the things that I want to start doing is kind of getting away from this this quote unquote average. It's like nah, like there, like you said, there's variety out there. There's there's diversity um, of, of people who are drinking beer, and I think we have to start including them in the conversation, um, in that in that average beer drinker conversation. Yeah, most definitely. Like, um, and that kind of leads to my next question is like, uh, Pat and Carl, how are you guys currently now trying to think about how to bring those uh, different uh, types of beer drinkers into, well, technically not into a brewery or, so I'll switch it up. Like, how do you try to get those type of beer drinkers to purchase your product? Like what guys have you what what have you guys done to like sit down and really try to figure out marketing and things like that? Well, I think for I think for us at various <laughs> um, and and, it, and this is not exclusive to us by any means. You know, breweries are pretty pretty for the most part pretty open hearted, open minded places. But our, our our goal now is to extend the welcoming hand further than I guess we have because I know once you come here you'll feel the hug and you'll like it and you'll get it. And it's not for everybody. And that spans, you know, our thing's a little janky. It's a little weird outside. And it's in the middle of nowhere. You know, Carl's in, you know, he's in an industrialish area as well. So foot traffic is low. When people come out here, they're coming out here on purpose. They're not stumbling upon us. Um, and I feel, I, I feel like, there's something that we haven't done and I want to, in a setting like this, figure out what it is that we need to do to extend that, those arms further, you know, cast that net wider and let people know who may not know about us or, and I say us, I mean that there are these cool places to go hang out and socialize and have some good beers um, and find out about cool places in your city because People who hang out at breweries, for the most part, and I'm generalizing in a really good way, are people who like to eat, they like to drink, they like music, they like hanging out, they like cool, they like hiking. You know, I mean, the the network of information to to positively ingest your own town or your own city or whatever is great at a place like this. And I know that's for everybody because everybody likes that stuff. Everybody likes to drink beer. You know, everybody. The smart people like to drink beer you know, uh, get out and enjoy the town. And there's, there's a, a great way to, to tap into your own city. And the thing that I like about it is, A, that I learned about that stuff too. But I see our community grow. We've got a, we've got a strong gay community here. Um, and I think that's based on 
people coming in and it's just it's just it's just a and I'm not advertising here, but it's an easy, fun place to hang out. And that's based on, you know, we have a no asshole factor here. Other than that, it's wide open. You know, I don't, I don't care about any of that stuff. Once you come in here, you know, you're a part of the, the, the organism of this thing. You're not, you're not a bystander. You're not, hey, what can I get you? You know, here's your beer. Thanks for the six bucks. Adios. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like, man, you know, you like that, you should try this too. And that's not exclusive to anyone or anything. And I think that what we need to do is to just keep getting out into different communities. And right. luckily for us, we're about in that spot, you know, until, you know, the, the hammer came down, um, that we can get away from this place for a few evenings a week. And I can go into different neighborhoods and I can go meet people, meet people like Shawnee and now, you know, Kramer introduce me to people because a i'm stuck here most of the time and b i live in five points and i barely get out of there because i hate driving in the city so you know i can do it i got understandably so you know i don't right. think i got where i got a post office shit outside of here i don't need to go anywhere except home and that's a detriment to my experience of the city you know? so right. if people like you guys uh and to come in here and I get to meet you and then we hang out and we have a beer and I teach you how to play the blackers game and then you know hopefully through all that stuff and it's not it's not a, a marketing one-on-one thing it's I'm here to sell beer to people and to hang out and drink beer and if right. that's a terrible business plan it sure as hell has been fun so far you know yes. right. so I love I you guys' space for sure at various artists I was there last year for a black beer experience uh, event and I loved when I first walked in there I immediately was comfortable um I think the bartender at the time I forget his name he came out like from outside saw me walking in for the first time and was like ran down the beer like and tried to fully engage with me which was a really nice touch in breweries because sometimes bar beer tenders will just kind of toss you the menu and go about their day or task or whatever but he can he's like yo like here's a menu talk about berries and stuff and y'all's process and like really got me familiar with various artists so when i did leave i can go tell someone i could be able to relay that information to someone they're like oh that's cool i want to check them out blah 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 and things like yeah. that so i thought that was really cool you know we're all, we're all we all put a lot of work into this and we're all very proud of what we do and i really enjoy talking about it and i, and I enjoy seeing people pour our beer from their faces and smile and hang out. And, uh, I, 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 I want, this is the beginning of, of, of starting to, to cast the net further because I want people to know about us. A, I want to stay in business because I really like this. And B, right. I, I want, you know, without, without having to, 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 I want it to be a genuine invitation that someone feels Genuinely want to come in, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm saying the same thing over and over, but um, it, 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 you know, to, to think that someone wouldn't come here because they question the, the, the experience of it, um, you know, it's something as a white guy from Indiana, I don't, I don't understand. So all I can do is keep opening my arms and let you know that you're welcome. And that goes across the board, like I said, the no asshole clause. Um, and that's what we're working on 25 minutes later.
to, yeah. to that and, to point though, it's not just the it's not the breweries. Um, it, it doesn't start at the brewery, shall I say? It really starts as at beer mm-hmm. and, and and craft beer. So in the black community, we know beer as like malt liquor, forty ounces, um, Heineken's Coronas, like very. Uh, very specific beers that are often targeted to our community. And so yes. though that's what we know of beer. So when you see something that is craft beer or um, some specialty kind of beer, you A, have the flavored malt liquor in your mind, mm-hmm. which I'm sure like we probably all have had some kind of interesting <laughs> you know you gotta start somewhere i guess a real interesting malt liquor <laughs> night you know um so that is that is what stands out to people to black people when you talk about beer and so it, it's not even at the brewery level it's at the the beer level itself that that doesn't sound like something that you know we would want to to try now you are, you know, I know, we all know on this call that there's a beer out there for everybody. Most definitely. But if you're not tapped into the craft beer community, you're not going to see that beer for everybody. You're going to continue to see the Bud Light commercial, the Corona commercial on the mm. beach, which I wouldn't mind being on the beach with a Corona, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> That's a conversation for another Zoom. <laughs> like, I just, put the mask on, people. I want to travel again. Um, yes, I want to go outside for real, folks. I don't ask for much. So, you know, to have those, to have the, the, the conversation really starts with, like, advertising. And it's hard to, of course, it's hard to combat big business and big beer. So, you know, we're not going to beat... We're not going to beat Bud Light in, you know, commercial advertising. So there has to be unique ways to introduce the potential of beer to the Black community. And that's kind of where your guild comes in because they're, they're more of, a, you know, the overarching level. So individual craft breweries can do it because it starts before anybody um, even opens the door. It's, it starts on your social media. Um, for example, when George Floyd died, everybody did the blackout. Yes. There was, I mean, there's a level of, of, I'm checking to see, I mean, up for so long, like I'm checking to see if you did the blackout post as small as it was, did you do the blackout post and join in, in the solidarity? You didn't. Okay. That, that makes me think like, okay, you're not, you didn't, you don't stand with me and, and, the, and the things that my people um, are going through. And it's just to add on to what Shani was saying. It's just, it's beyond just posting that black square. What did you say in the caption? Did you just say we're listening? Like, did you just say things people like to hear or did you actually like put a plan out after that? Um, makes, one brewery that made me think about how they handled their follow-up was uh, Living Waters. They, I felt like, set the tone for that. They did that, and then they posted about denouncing racism and then followed up with their actions. It's just like, 
setting up something like that for breweries to follow and actually actually want to follow. That's the main part. Want to follow it and do the things they need to do to stand in solidarity or on the wrong side of history. Because I just feel like a lot of play businesses can't be silent anymore, especially in this kind of climate. Right. I, th- I, th- I think what was kind of a, a, an eye-opener and awakening for us here is that I just thought that we sell beer, that's what we do, you know, 38 people like our posts or whatever. And I didn't, until I really thought about it for a few days, understand that it doesn't matter how big the voice is, but man, you get a bunch of voices our size together, that's a pretty big noise. And it took me a couple days to really to, to digest that and, and think about it more. Um, just thinking that, you know, it's a tiny ass brewery that, you know, is fairly inconsequential in the band in the, you know, whatever scale scheme of things. Uh, but it's something and it helps. And that's, if that's what we can do, that's, that's great. You know, however we can help. And I didn't realize that we didn't realize that here for a couple of days. Once, once, you know, and I don't know what the, what the block was, what that is, but it was great to see beyond that and, and, and realize that we have something that we can, we can do here in conjunction with other people, you know? Right. So and I, I that, think that's the key too, is the, the connection between other people. Uh, we, I worked for United Way for a long time and I used to use this illustration a lot when I was doing fundraising uh, discussions about the uh, these guys walking on the beach one day, right? And he there's starfish all over the beach. Have you heard this starfish story? This is maybe not familiar. Hopefully it's not because this makes it better for me when I tell it. Uh, but you got a beach full of starfish and the guy's walking down the beach and he sees this guy and he's standing there and he's picking the starfish up and he's chucking them out past the, uh, past the breakers. And the guy walks up to him and he says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm throwing these starfish back past the breakers because if they just lay out here on the beach, they're all going to die. And he says, man, there's thousands and thousands of starfish all over this beach. Like, why? how do you feel like this could possibly make a difference? And he picked up a starfish and he looked at it and he chucked it out past the breakers and he said, it made a difference for that one. And and I think that if for each one of us, and I include like humans, like the grand scope human, uh, but also for our own little companies, you know, you've got two here, one that I represent, one that Pat does for each one of our little companies. It's so important to take that step to, to make a difference for that one. You know, it can seem so incredibly overwhelming to think how could I possibly make a difference in something that has been going on for so long and that is such an ingrained institutional tragedy how could we possibly make a difference uh, that is meaningful? But you make those differences on individual basises where you can just, like I used to work for this guy who used to say, you gotta, you can't eat the elephant by trying to stuff the whole elephant in your mouth, right? It's, it's human bites. You eat the elephant one bite at a time. And, you know, we, um, it's funny when uh, I had a good friend of mine they're good friends now uh when my son started in second grade uh one of his little buddies in class uh tavius his mom 
is friends with this lady named Lydia Adams. And so uh, Tavius and my son are just like thick as thieves, those little munchkins. They just love each other. And they were such good friends, second, third, fourth grade. And uh, Jennifer and Lydia, Jennifer emails us one day and she says, hey, my, uh, they're not related, but they, she calls her cousin. My cousin Lydia and her husband are starting a food truck. And I know you guys have food trucks at the brewery sometimes. Uh, would you be interested in booking them? And I was like, yeah, just, you know, connect with Becca and we'll, Becca's our tapper manager. And so we booked them in there and uh, they have been the most excellent partners in almost like they come almost every Saturday. They make amazing barbecue uh, and Eric and Lydia are people of color and they do the best job advertising on social media. They do everything and we love them. And so Let's talk about when it came place. time, when you, say, when you say people of color, what color are they? Oh, they're black. Okay. I that's just, fine to say. You can say they're black people. Can I, say, I just want to make sure that I just, you, know. <laughs> you get the cosign. The sway okay. gives you the cosign to say that. Okay. If you're they're, talking but, about a large group of people of various colors that are like not white, then yeah, uh, people of color. But okay. if this specific person is black, they black. Okay. Well, they're black and, yeah. and they're, and they have, it's so funny because they've become part of our family and what that has done has they've brought a very diverse crowd of their own. They've got a pretty prodigious social media following. And those are people that would never have come to black Abbey because they didn't, they didn't know anything about craft beer. They didn't know we were over here and they would come and they'd come inside and be like, what's this all about? And mm -hmm. so it really gave us an opportunity in a very authentic and a very, uh, natural and and normal way to reach out to a community that we otherwise like i'm so glad that you brought up uh like the idea of big beer also being malt liquor because i feel like a lot of the craft folks just write off malt liquor is not even a thing mm -hmm. uh but malt, malt liquor is big beer yeah and easy like i'm a big star wars fan like huge star wars fan and i've been a star wars fan since i was a little kid and my roommate in college, uh, and I'm also obviously I'm a big beer fan. And so my roommate in college gave me a, a lighted sign that actually is hanging in the office at the brewery. And it's uh, Billy D. Williams, uh, who played Lando Calrissian in the Star Wars series uh, as an advertisement for Colt 45. And he was Billy D. Williams. It may still be the pitch man for Colt 45. And it hangs in our office because I love Star Wars and beer, but until you said it, Shani, it didn't even occur to me that what that is is black exploitation, right? Like they went and said, "All right, well, this guy's super famous, and he's in uh, the Star Wars series, and he's making a gajillion dollars." He that's not a Budweiser advertisement. That's not Coors Light. That's malt liquor. Like they signed that yeah. guy specifically to market malt liquor to the black community and. Yes. For for and for a craft brewer, this you and I talked about this. Like it, we don't ever want to feel like we're patronizing and trying to reach into a community and be like, "You should, you should do this," just because you know it. it the, that's what I love right. about our partnership with Adams is that it's such a genuine, real partnership where we we help to grow their business they help to grow our business and it's they're black and it's 
it it doesn't matter and but it's but it's great that that we're able to make a difference for somebody who may to break that well, chain think, of of discrimination that's been going on for hundreds of years right right now it does matter though like i mean and in, in a good way like you're what you're doing like it doesn't matter to you that they are a black food truck or they they they're a good food truck like all of that but in these conversations and in trying to um help the the black community um recover from the years of <laughs> disparity it matters that that food truck is black right yes it makes and, a big and difference intentional on reaching out to um different companies uh black owned businesses be it the creatives like uh who does your cans so if you have a special can coming out and you're doing the special you, you know changing up the design is right. there an opportunity for a black artist to get involved in in the creation of that label mm -hmm. so yeah, now you're, you're you're bringing to light like oh look here's this creative so it's giving them shine but it's also i mean it, it's, it's twofold like you know at at the end of the day we are a, a nation of consumers and um this is a capitalistic society so you know, uh, uh, the the bottom line matters. Right. And yes. being able to, and, and this is not anything, I don't, and for the audience, these guys, I don't think that they're looking for that. But the re reality is that is a part of the conversation and all of it is also expanding the market of who's the, the of the consumer. So you have, um, you have this, this black artist that has now created a label for your can they have just like the food truck they have an audience and it's like hey look i bought this i made this can guys go buy my right. can they go and buy the can to support their friend and then they drink the beer and like shit it's delicious <laughs> where have i been so it's just or, like or they well, end was, up just, oh, go ahead cry my bad. Go i was ahead. gonna say i just kind of the word that kind of stuck out to me when we were kind of talking about like you don't want to be patronizing or Blacks uh, doing anything but black, black exploitation. Um, let me slow it down right there on that word. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, I think, think I made, did I make that word up? It, it, no, it's real. I just couldn't okay. say it at the moment. Don't judge me. Um, <laughs> but I think the word that really like rung out in my head is being genuine because you're talking about um, the food truck that just came grassroots, organic. You didn't try to dress up your conversation with them to get them into your brewery, which is, of course, we don't want that to happen, but I think you try to approach everything with, like, a genuine heart and genuine understanding of what you can do to be a part of this climate community and support them is make sure you're coming with a genuine intention of right. growing Black Abbey or growing various artists or any brewery in the association, they want to expand it that customer base. It's got to be genuine. You got to come with good intentions and things like that. And I think how you did that with our food truck is like a beautiful example. I love to see breweries trying to like take that approach because right. you might have someone already in your back pocket. You don't even realize it, but like hopefully that gets you to thinking about like, oh, I can get this artist or I can get this person to do XYZ and right. so make sure that genuine 
uh, intentions always there in anything that you want to do for right. that demographic. And, and it's just from a just from a personal standpoint, like where the decisions that that my wife and I make about our family and how we go about our day-to-day business. And I think, you know, where our kids go to school is a good example. Like all this year, if we ever get to go to school, all three of my kids will be in the same place for the first time. Uh, And they all go to Valor Collegiate Academy, which is a charter school over on Knowlesville road. And Mm -hmm. we, we were so excited when our oldest got accepted into Valor because where they were before was so monochromatic and we recognize that that is not what the world looks like. Mm-hmm. The, the world is a very diverse place. And if you can learn from the earliest age, what it's like to interact with people of different colors and different religions and different ethnic backgrounds, that that's awesome. such an incredible value. Uh, not just from a selfish standpoint of saying, oh, well, I, I understand kind of different cultural barriers and whatnot, but just from an accepting, that's how you break the ball down, right? Why would I, why would I do these horrible things to these people? I, when I have grown up in an environment where everyone is, is on this level playing field and, and it, we talk about it a lot at the brewery. Like, how do we, how do we, how do we make, the faces that are sitting at the benches in fellowship hall look less alike you know how do we make it a more diverse space how do we make it a more diverse customer base Uh, and and that's why i was so excited to be on this call because i i think these types of relationships that you know the six of us on this call are are building right now uh are so critically important because it's you know we're throwing the starfish into the ocean every time Sorry, I talk a lot. Yeah, you, it's five of us. You said six. So I wanted to, I saw Sharon come off of right. mute. So I was about to give her opportunity to jump in here. Um, thank you. I just, I wanted to give you a moment actually, Shani, because when we met for beers that day, there were so many things that you said that were like so profound and doable that I really, I mean, I, I, I had to flip through to my notes. Um, one of which I thought was really interesting and I really, I want you to talk a little bit about this because for the nine people that are listening in right now, Stop. hopefully more, um, you mentioned, you know, and, and I think we talked a lot about this. When I first started my job, I had a long conversation with a friend of mine who's a diversity consultant about the lack of diversity in the craft beer industry. And she said that, you know, it starts from, you know, I think what you're saying is absolutely right. Let's say we educate the black community on craft beer and then they walk into a tap room that does not reflect them. And so a couple of the things that you mentioned, specifically the music. Yeah. And then also, you know, Carl and I had a long discussion early on, and I'm sure you remember this because this is how Shawnee and I eventually met was because of you. We talked about, you know, how, how do breweries find employees that are black? And you had some really great ideas of where they could post job openings and, you know, different, some of these nuances about music. And I just really wanted to 
ask you to sort of touch on that because I think it's important that they know where they can post job openings specifically to attract the kind of customers that we want to see in the breweries. Yeah, let me, so that conversation was just a little off the cuff. So let me see if I can recall it. I feel like Carl right now was like, I said that, but um, it, I have the general idea of it. <laughs> but if I don't hit everything, you know, just just follow up with me here. But um, so to start with the with the music, when you are in a brewery, there like um, just to give an example, Carl brought up Ambrosia. Now, when he plays a song, I might be like, oh, okay, I know Ambrosia. But just to have that conversation, mm -hmm. and I don't know if my friend Justin is in here listening because he's the music guy. Um, yes. There, you know, there are people out here that might know about it, but for the most part, if you, if, if it's a very, I mean, you know what, what songs are, you know, quote unquote white music and um, so there's a level of like, I don't want you to change up what your brewery does, but is there a way that your brewery can expand what it does? So if you're saying you are a lover of music and, and your brewery is going to play this music and you know your collection is very limited, who can you tap or how can you tap into some of the other artists that may influence um, or may um, intrigue like black people? You know, so... I like being introduced to different music, but when I walk in and, and understand that I'm like, Kramer and I are probably a little different. We really like the beer. The, the brewery is absolutely the vibe, but I go in there and I'm not necessarily listening for the music, um, but I tune into it and I'm like, what song is this? And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's just not good music. And so there's a <laughs> level of... <laughs> Just gotta be honest. I'm music, I'm right with Shani on that. Music at the end of the, I mean that that's what I, I would classify as not good music. You might and, and maybe you you know uh, and I don't want to throw I'm I will never let anybody disrespect Earth Wind and Fire. But just for the sake of conversation, let's say you didn't care for Earth Wind and Fire. That is like a sin to black people. <laughs> it really is. It's just like you're so, born you're liking familiar, them. Yeah, if you're not familiar with, with Earth, Wind, and Fire, then please, A, make yourself uh, uh, familiar with them, and two, please make yourself familiar with them. But that's something that you would want to, you know, figure out how you can incorporate different different styles of music into your brewery. Yeah, Pat, like, I know you you got a music. You, yeah. Man, I got to tell you guys that there's not, I mean, there's not a brewery in the United States who plays more Lou Rawls than various artists. We love Lou Rawls. I mean, you know, we, if I have 100% of, of my spectrum of the music I love, and I love a whole bunch, I love good music of all varieties. If you come here, and again, I'm not doing any kind of thing other than stating the truth, 80% uh, of the music that we play, with the exception of the complete opposite of that, which is bluegrass, the most soulless and most offensive music to most people's ears. Um, I, I like but, but, yeah. There's a couple songs out there, you know? I don't know the names of the artists, but I'll know if I hear it. <laughs> but I, I'm, that, that's, that's one thing that was uh, something that I know that, that we have here. Um, and we're very, very, and I know Carl is too, very, 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 very particular 
about the music that gets played here because one of the two of the things that I looked forward to most opening a brewery was beer labels and music. Beer's great and fine. That's cool. I'm getting the beer industry, and that's that's great. That's that's third place to me, which is strange. But uh, to have a place where I could play the music that I love, and I think I've got some pretty deep catalog stuff, and I've turned some people on to some great things. And that's just not black music or whatever. It's it's all kinds of stuff. But um, that that is one thing that is near and dear and genuine to the heart of this place. Our, our vinyl collection, we have more Nina Simone records, I guarantee you, than anyone. We have every studio record and special release that she did. And we love to spend more with Nina Simone. And for whatever that's worth, um, uh, there's, a, there's a wide variety of things available. And, and most of the time when you can go into breweries, it's, 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 oh, it's all over the place. But I, I, I'm just saying that but that's something that is is very important to us, the music, and with your name, Pat, it got to be important. Various artists, you better have a variety of artists. Of artists, yes. you better have various <laughs> artists playing at your brewery. So uh, then, then the, oh, I'm sorry, were you? I was just gonna say the other, the other, the other half of that would be for me. The the goal of the outreach is. There are two things, and I don't know exactly which one that we're focusing on. Uh, one is to let a, a, a community of black craft beer drinkers that I don't know exist, to let them know that, that we've got good beer. And I'm not saying we, me, I'm saying we, the, the community, um, that there's good beer and you're completely welcome. Or are we saying that this is a campaign to introduce people to this beer? Two kind of different things, and it might be half and half. Um, two different approaches. Um, and what I what I've been thinking is that there's there's an introduction process to it. And I think you alluded to it with the with the malt liquor stuff. But that that's that's my question: is is how is the pie sliced there? Is there a community of, of black craft beer drinkers in the Nashville area who are underserviced, or do we just need to introduce these people to something they do not know they love? Yeah, right. and and I think something that uh, I think is, is very important is the the idea of, of people being welcome. And, and I think that in general, the craft beer community is is founded on this idea of fellowship and welcome uh lots of breweries have community tables lots of breweries don't have tvs lots of breweries are built around this idea of fellowship and and lots of breweries are unbelievably offended by the idea that that someone would come into their space with the intention of of hate and, and discrimination. And I think that so many of us are built on this idea of inclusion and welcoming and that, you know, people come here for just like what Pat said, like they come here to hang out and to enjoy one another's company and to drink some good beer and to have some good conversation and to, to sort of build this human connection amongst one another. And um, it, for it, you know, like Pat was saying, how it took a couple of days to process. Like for me, it was just so, crippling to think that somehow based on on just 
where I was born and when I was born and to who my parents were and how we grew up and the city where I lived, just that we were built with these uh, unintentional prejudices that come out in the way that we operate every day and, and to make sure that we are not just given lip service to it, but trying every single day to say, this really is a place where people are welcome all the time, no matter who they are or where they came from or what they look like, unless they come in here, you know, carrying a M16 or wanting to blow the place up, you know, like the, the idea that, you know, we don't go down that. No, that's, you know, everybody should be welcome at, at a, and, and I think again, for the vast majority of, of uh, people in the craft beer industry, we were built on that principle of, uh, we want, this is, you know, this is a place for people to hang out and drink beer. That's, it's, it's about the human connection and, um, and, and we want to build on that and try to capitalize on it or cap, not, not in a capitalistic way, but to grow it in a way that um, makes it even more welcoming to, to everybody. Go ahead, Sharon, and jump in. Well, yes, I, I believe that breweries, by and large, are a welcoming environment. However, if we don't do the outreach, like you pointed out, and I'm so embarrassed because I have a background as a librarian and I did outreach for a living, I never made the connection to the outreach that I did to bring people into the library is so similar to the outreach that we should be doing to bring the black community into the brewery. And these guys and all of our breweries have done an awesome job of creating welcoming environments and community tables and you know all of these really cool things. But unless we create an outreach program that starts with like tap takeovers like what y'all did last week at the local distro Mm -hmm. that's a perfect example posting job openings part-time job openings full-time job openings whatever they are on the job boards of which you're going to mention here in a minute um and and you know making a conscious effort to do outreach because the only way we're going to get the black community into the white breweries around the state of Tennessee is to do that outreach and to educate them about craft beer, the difference between craft beer and the malt beverages of what you were talking about. And I think something that you mentioned in my notes um, (laughs) was, you know, that um, people like, and black people and white people, they like all different types of flavors and all different types of beers. And so there, there is a section of the black community that might really enjoy Southern grist beers as their entry level to craft beer. There's Mm -hmm. other people who would enjoy the rose or other people who would enjoy that delicious brown um, from various artists, the ween beer. What's the name of your ween beer? The Brothers Brown. Yes, thank you. I always have a ween beer. (laughs) Yeah, he has a ween beer. It's a brown. It's delicious. <laughs> I, there, but, there's so many wrong places that could go. <laughs> but I, you know, I think it's important to note, I mean, just for me, that key word from all the notes I took and from that discussion that we had that day was 
the word outreach. And if we do not do outreach, it doesn't matter how awesome the beer is, how welcoming the environment is, how diverse the playlist is. If nobody knows that it exists. That's right. And I it's think- It's not I gonna think, get the numbers. Right. And I think what the Black Beer Experience is, is doing and has done is fabulous. I hate the fact that coronavirus, the, the Rona, has had to like make you pivot. On the other hand, we might not be having this discussion if it wasn't the case. But right. I think, you know, at the same time, how can we start to prepare ourselves as breweries in Davidson County reopen and around the state and around the country reopen? What can we do? And I think there was something that you mentioned about, you know, y'all were talking about doing soul Sundays and, you know, different things like that. And, you know, it's just outreach. I think for me, it just comes down to that key word of outreach. I mean, they've, they've all done a great job of creating welcoming environments. I feel like I can go into any brewery by myself, have a beer, talk to strangers, no problem. But I'm also- I want to echo that. As a, as a black person, I absolutely feel that at least 98% of the breweries here have, <laughs> have, are very welcoming and from the social media presence to, the, to everything. And I'm gonna just give the example of um, Bold Patriot. Now, please note that I have not been to Bold Patriot. I have not experienced anything that would necessarily turn me away. But when I researched that when the name came up and I saw Bold Patriot, there's this thing where like patriotism has been equated to whiteness. Yes. And so when you have Bold Patriot, I'm like bold white person. That's what like that's what I see. So I'm already like hesitant on what is and so that's why I say like with social media or your online presence before anybody even hits your door, your online presence matters. And so when you have um when you have the opportunity to expand and 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 bring other people in like um you, you have to think of different ways to, to do that. And social media is one, but you know, uh, Sharon, you asked me about behind the counter. I mean, like, well, I'm not behind the counter, where we can uh, get people into the, to the breweries as workers. So my thing is, I come into a brewery and all I see is a sea of white folks. That's my, that has been my typical experience. Um, I like beer. I don't dislike white people. I'm here to have a good time. So as long as you're down for the conversation, the good beer is good, I'm in a good place. But if I walk in there and I see somebody that looks like me serving the beer, I feel more connected to that brewery. Yes, it's a level of representation. Like you see yourself in almost like a professional, like you see the professional version of someone enjoying the same thing you do. That's going a little a bit above and beyond just you being a consumer. It's someone that is probably knowledgeable and also enjoys it as a consumer, but you can actually have a conversation and someone's like, oh, they look like me. Oh, I can do this too. I could be a part of this. How can I be a part of this? And um, I think Shan was saying something like really interesting about the outreach. And we did have a question from one of our um, 
one of our nine viewers. <laughs> twelve, um, guys. We back up. We're up to twelve. We're up to twelve on the. On the up to twelve. We've been out. Uh, we're going viral. We're on the way to viral, y'all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she just wanted to ask, is like, I know you've asked about like how you guys can outreach, but like, has there been anything outside of um, just reaching out to for like Carl reaching out to uh the food truck has the association done anything firsthand to kind of expand into that new market base or is that something we as the, the host of the sweet podcast can help with i think i mean absolutely this is this is what we have been looking for um since i started the position and carl knows this i mean we've had the board has had discussions like i mentioned earlier i had a long talk when I first started my position with a, a friend of mine that does diversity um, discussions, and I was really surprised. In my in my previous job, there was an intentional effort to have a diverse membership, and it was it was very intentional. And I didn't know how to create that intentional environment um, in terms of a statewide association, you know, platform. One thing that I, I am mindful of is that, you know, my purpose with the Guild is to promote the interest of the craft beer industry. It's, it's also in the interest of the craft beer industry to serve all communities and to be welcoming and to do outreach in all populations um, because that increases, you know, the customer base that increases their bottom line and increases our membership and they can pay their dues. Um, so I think this is exactly what we need. And Shani is probably exhausted of all of the email introductions I have done over the last- no, I love it, they keep it going. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, we've now started working with MTSU's fermentation sciences program. How can we bring the Guild, the Fermentation Sciences Program, the Black Beer Experience together, we're talking about how can we, and, and this is something you know for MTSU to help us with, how do we go into middle schools or high schools and talk about the career of the craft brewing industry? It's not just about brewing the beer, it's providing the services as well. It's about being a brewery focused CPA or attorney or marketing person, or like you mentioned earlier, Shani, the artist for the can work. There's so much out there. Um, and, you know, how do we get that out there? And I feel like one of the reasons why I was so excited about tonight and getting Pat and Carl on here with us is really to kind of kick off, money. you know, our efforts. And then, of course, you know, bringing in, um, the, uh, the Pink Boot Society. So that's, that's an organization that is focused on female brewers. Well, what is the diversity of the female brewers and how can we make sure that female brewers are black as well as white? And, um, and I think it all, all starts with this outreach with the grassroots and, you know, I, I'm sorry that it took this long to get where we are today, but I am, I'm it's excited. Okay. The conversation has to start, the conversation has to start somewhere. So 
you know, as we talked about, um, I, I do want to, your question of who can you send your job postings to? So one of the, um, a couple of the places I mentioned was the Urban League um, of Middle Tennessee. The, uh, there's, there's a great um, group on social media led by Danielle McGee, which is uh, Black People Making Moves. Shout outs to Danielle. Yeah, Danielle put some, has put something really great together. This, uh, that is a, I mean, it's 20,000 20, black people in a group on Facebook. And being able to say, hey, I'm looking for a position here um, to, to fill this position. But here's, here's the thing. We don't want to just fill the, the beer service position. Kind of, Sharon, you kind of, you know, uh, alluded to that is there are so many other positions out there and please understand that I know that the average craft uh, the average brewery is dealing with you know limited resources and you know it's family owned or whatnot but there are opportunities to fill those spaces with um with with various people and so the question is who are you reaching out to so the swig the black beer experience like we can help fill fill some of those voids um, at least we will try and get you connected to the right people. I fully, um, I don't have all the answers, but if I have, if I'm, if I have the connection over there and, and I have you, I'm, I'm totally down to bring them together. Um, even, even same here. yeah, even reaching out to, um, to Josh Mundy and the, uh, the black, uh, oh, what is it? The. I, I, it's, it's escaping me right now, but there's a um, there's the the regular version and there's the black version. I'm gonna have to go look it up because it's, it's escaping me right now. Somebody right. might somebody could throw it in the comments, but um, there we, a black chamber is that what you're talking chamber, about? There we go. Black yeah. chamber of commerce, yeah. Black chamber. Um, shout out to Josh Mundy. <laughs> but the black chamber, that's the opportunity. Like, it doesn't have to be a specific place to say, hey. I need to be able to post this job posting. It's reaching out to com to communities, the black community in different aspects and say, hey, I have some positions that I'm looking to fill and I would like to have some, um, some candidates from the black community. Can you please share this with your networks? Because it's like the, the average, uh, definitely the average white person, like 77% don't have a, uh, don't have black friends or black people in their circle. And I'm sure on the flip side, there's probably a lot of black people and I just don't have that number of black people that don't have white people in their, their friend circle. So when the job opportunity comes up and you reach into your phone, how many black people or people of in color are you coming across for that position? Right you got to take a step back and say, you know what, my network might not be able to get me that person, but my network can possibly get me connected to those people. Yeah. So I'm definitely willing to help as well. I, outside of the swig, I also own my own business called the Afropreneurial community where we have networking events. Well, before Rona hit, we had networking events where we bring everybody together just to network and things like that. So we have a network as well. We can reach out to if anyone, if you guys have anything that you want to share, whether it's creating an event, 
at your brewery or at a space where we do tap takeovers or anything like that, we're more willing to help with that and bring people in to network over a good beer and have good conversation and network with a purpose as well. So like there are resources here in the city for you guys to tap into where you can reach into that bag and you're going to pull out positive results 100% of the time, even 110% really. Um, you're always going to like to give those numbers. I'd be like, listen, there's, I can't speak for everybody. That, you know? I'm going to get, make sure you get the people that need to be in your phone, in your space, in your brewery. So <laughs> I'm confident in myself. I'll let Shani carry her numbers. I'll carry my numbers. <laughs> but I'll make sure like, I can find people that are going to get where you want and need to be as a brewery when it comes to diversity and inclusion and actually really mean that. And I think there's also an opportunity when you, you know, we just briefly touched on the Black Chamber. You know, a lot of our breweries are members of the LGBT chamber. And so you know, why not join the Black Chamber? We also have the Hispanic Chamber. Um, and that, you know, immediately plugs them into, instead of just saying, hey, I'm looking to hire these positions, actually commit to it, join the chamber, and, you know, get involved and get engaged. Even, even though a brewery is not owned by a Black person, I think they're still allowed to join, maybe. Is that correct? Probably. I can't, I can't speak to that or um, right me neither so i don't want to give you the wrong information yeah i mean i can i can get that answer for you all um for sure um part of my thinking is as long as you're paying into the black chamber you're a part of the black chamber but i don't know if it, it you also have to have the qualifier of being black um but that's all at the end of the day it's a great community to work with a great yes. organization organization to work with so it's thinking of of um, ways outside of the the norm to interact, and you know I I was at Pat uh, at various artists, and I like to say that's my cheers. Like you walk in there, it is very welcoming. And I love that. What got me was Pat. Remember my name? He deals with a thousand people, and I just had to. I would have just had to remember his. I didn't remember his name. I was like, I had to ask the the bartender, what what is his name? Because he remembers mine, so I have to remember his. You gotta remember his. It's law. Like that's yeah. just law in life. Like you gotta know people's names when they know <laughs> yours, especially. Oh no, you're trying to just show me up. No, I gotta know your name too. Yeah, where so, you're from, all that. Right. So being um talking to him, and I was saying that you need. We have to come out of the brewery and go into the, the black community. And Pat, you mentioned of like, are we talking about the the craft, the black craft beer drinker or are we talking about just introducing people to beer? So there's a, the black craft beer drinker in a sense already knows who you are. Um, I think the black beer experience is part is that, like that is trying to bring them to you all, but we've had conversations and they know of the breweries and they're drinking it but they don't necessarily come to the brewery so that is what I'm working on on the side of trying to figure out like why what is it that it's not drawing you to the community because you'll buy the beer you go to craft brew you buy the six you know a mix six and whatnot but you know why are you hesitant or is there a hesitation about coming into the brewery but 
there's a level of just there are potential drinkers out there and i'm talking like borderline probably drink blue moon and y'all know that's like an intro beer for a lot of people mm -hmm. the, <laughs> the they drink that blue moon that could easily cross over and so those people don't necessarily know that this community exists um and as i'm, I'm saying that uh tony johnson mentioned the term beer drinker is charged and associated with alcoholism. He said he needs to change the term to a non-charged word, something more like the beer consumer. Uh, beer, yeah. So, but that, but so, even the the black beer drinker, I like using that term because for me, that I consider myself that. But I can understand what he's saying because in the black community, historically, beer was wino. I mean, not wine, you know, wine, old wine, but whatever. But the the guy on the corner in the brown paper bag drinking the beer, and it it's it's gonna take a collective unit of the guild, the you know, nationally mm -hmm. and locally, and then and the, the level of marketing. Not to yeah, changing that changing that mindset or of what you think beer is. And so that's why you have a lot of black influencers on social media that's posting and, you know, giving reviews because there's goodness out here. Yes. You just that people are sleeping on and not paying attention to because of, I guess, everything from society from starting even back from prohibition. I know beer took a major, major hit when that came to America and that happened and it's almost as if this world is still kind of, I, I don't want to say surviving, but like kind of still recovering in a sense, because you still have your liquors and your wines. You can have that broken down to the very most granular level, but like beer is working its way down and it kind of is like stagnating a little bit. And it's like, I, my question for that is like, how do you guys kind of break that stagnating of beer? Like, how do we get it to the level of like the res I don't want to say respect, but for lack of a better term, respect of wine and and or even liquor? Because you see those with crazy celebrities promoting things from Ciroc all the way to right uh, without turning it into wine. Because I think wine comes with its other it's stigma so maybe not the right word but you know i i feel like the word wine snob came up before the word beer snob and oh yeah most you know, definitely I, think, I agree with that you know people have this sort of uh you know hoity-toity attitude about wine sometimes and uh i think beer in its very nature is casual and and that's one of the things that i love about it is its casual nature and and i think that it's very important as as brewers and beer consumers that we hold on to its casualness yeah. um, and that's uh you know that's part of the this is going to sound completely non-strategic but it actually really is when we launch new beers and cans we have an event at craft brood where we get a bunch of people together and we shotgun those beers and we do that because it's hilarious can Why I get an invite, please? And thank you. All right, thank uh, you. Uh, I'll I'll see you Monday at Craft Fruit at four o'clock. Oh man, I work. <sighs> well, we'll be there for a little minute. We're we're taping a radio show, but in the middle of it, we're going to shotgun beers. Anyway, I fake sick. 
is you should fake sick. <laughs> so, yeah, in 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 uh, in mm. some circles they call that the bud flu. Um, I think I might rock but, with uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> but but we you know we specifically chug beers not to promote irresponsible consumption of beer, but to keep beer as a casual uh, to keep connected to. Uh, this sort of world of beer being casual, like no one would ever shotgun a bottle of wine. That's insane. But you, you could still shot, even though it's craft beer and even though it should be uh, considered as a sort of higher level luxury item than Natterdays, uh, it is, it, it is still something that you uh, can consume in a very casual and, and uh, convivial way where you're like, you know what, I'm just, yeah, it's craft beer and we're going to shotgun it because that's, sort of sometimes what you do with beer right but yeah um definitely guys like i for sure appreciate you guys with this wonderful conversation about diversity in the craft beer um industry um before i wrap up i did have a question for pat and carl um i know you guys probably caught wind of the black is beautiful beer campaign how are you guys participating in that and what do you guys have coming down the pipeline for that and people can look for we've uh we brewed it uh, about three weeks ago and uh it's gonna sit in a barrel for a couple months three okay four months um and then it's gonna be uh available for consumption enjoyment and uh hopefully that that is that's another way that we can another mechanism we can use to to create a little more uh, diversity in our tap room because by golly by that time we'll all be in tap rooms again we might be masked up but uh, pipe green maybe like sharing <laughs> open and flowing and we can just get those masks on yeah um so yeah but really excited about that and happy to participate that's a that's a great way for us to in this time when we can't really service a lot of people to show our support something that we uh, that we're we're very much behind and, and please know that that we are here and uh, we're open to any idea we're almost game for any situation um, and uh, just know that you can uh, count on us for uh, whatever we need to do gotcha and you carl we've uh We've been working with our friends at Adams uh, Barbecue, actually. Lydia's family is affiliated with a local nonprofit called Partners in the Struggle. Uh, and Partners in the Struggle focus specifically on uh, helping families that have been affected by gun violence, uh, providing support to those families and then okay. trying to, to prevent the root cause of gun violence. And so we have partnered with Earl at Partners in the Struggle as our philanthropic partner for uh, the Black is Beautiful project. We will be brewing that beer towards the end of the year. And, you know, part of this is very much to do with the, with the Rona. Uh, when we furloughed all our team, when that first started, we got sort of behind the eight ball and now all of our tanks are full of beer trying to catch back up. Um, and so in planning out our tank space, that beer will go into into pr production towards f in fourth quarter 
uh, but that also gives us enough time to bring to bear our uh, our barrel aging partner. Uh, we're one of 20 breweries in the United States that get whiskey barrels from Jameson. And Jameson is extremely excited to be, to support their brewery partners in their partnership with this Weathered Souls Black is Beautiful project. And so we'll be aging that beer in Jameson barrels uh, with the objective of releasing some of it uh, in uh, January of 2021 uh, on MLK Day and then more of it on Juneteenth 2021. Uh, oh, and so okay. we're, we're trying to very specifically line that up with meaningful dates, uh, but also to work very closely with the folks at Adams, uh, the guys at Weathered, well, it's not just guys, but the folks at Weathered Souls and developing that recipe really gave us a lot of flexibility to sort of tweak it and change it how we felt like would be fun. And so we're going to have Adams smoke some of the malt. Uh, so we'll have a, a little bit more of a smoky character on that beer than what the original recipe dictated, just to sort of give some differentiation in the market. Um, but also to make sure that we are uh, sort of spreading the spreading this project out over time rather than just say, hey, let's all brew this beer and drop it all in the market at the same time. I, I, I worry that loses some of its effectiveness uh, for keeping this conversation going uh, over an extended period of time. So we're, uh, we're really stoked to be working with uh, the folks at Jameson. They're really excited. Uh, we expect those barrels to be coming in December they ship them from Ireland, so it's sort of a project to get them through customs, and I can't, it's, it, it's very frustrating. <laughs> but uh, we'll leave it at project. At least get to experience that. So, yes. And then, so, so the question I had is, um, what do you all have questions for us? Because, um, you know, just the the takeaways that I want you know everybody to have is first, it starts with discussions. So if you can't talk about it, you can't address it. So being able to say black in a conversation, to be able to have the conversation about diversity, black people and mm -hmm. people of color. And the reason I'm separating the two is because I can't speak for the other communities. Um, so I, I have to take that into consideration and I would love to have this, to, to open this conversation up even further with more communities um, I haven't figured out who to talk to, you know, who's doing that, but is there something that we aren't answering because we have discussed, yeah, go ahead, Sharon. I'm going to just stop. Question. So, um, being, I, I'm a librarian and I always need to know like the right words to say. And, um, you know, I think like Carl said earlier, like communities of color, well, that obviously to my little white ears sounded fine. And then, you know, you said like, are you talking about black people? So, so what, I mean, and this is just me, I'm just being honest. Do y'all want us to say African-American? Do you want us to say black? Like what is, how do we know what to say when? And because I don't know, I mean, to me- I'll take it back off of Shonda. She's too excited to answer this question. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I mean, so I don't know what y'all okay, want to be called and when and how do we make sure that we're being respectful, in, you know, and appropriate in the context. So I think that you can't go wrong with either Black or African American. 
Now, please understand that when I say you can't go wrong, there's some subsets that don't be called me this. Generally, right? So there is a generally African-American or black works. But what I have found in recent conversations with black people is that Americans, we have a, we, we don't know our history. I can't tell you where in Africa I necessarily came from. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't bring, and, and really, if you go my route, I'm like Haiti, and of course that is African, but so calling, say, identifying as African-American for me is someone who has came from Africa and maybe, you know, and, and identifies now as an American, so they're African-American. But for me, I'm Black. My history is, is of the United States, as far as I know, and it's lost beyond me. But that, that's my take on it. But at the end of the day, Black or African-American is, you, you're not going to go wrong with that. And if somebody, if you're talking, and just to, you know, I'm not to harp on you, Carl, but you had the example, you had a, um, you know, person of color. If you're talking about a specific color, you know, quote unquote color, address, you can address that color. So if you're talking about an Asian person, you know, Asian American or Asian, you know, and I don't want to speak for what they like to be called, but you know, you can, you can say that and it not be disrespectful. Right. So So, is brown, when we say like black and brown people is the brown is referring to the like Mexican American? Typically typically Hispanics. Yeah. Like the brown community. I would categorized as well but yeah like black and uh, african american are interchangeable it's like shoe and sneaker like they're the same thing to me but i understand where like shine is coming from but for the most part it's gonna be either one of those two i think i think people are more annoyed when you try to to hide it you when you know you try to veil it in some this you know people of color no nah, i'm black i'm not I'm a black. person of, i am a person of color but you you're talking specifically about me, so you can address me as yeah, you know, as such. Um, it's a read the room situation. Like if you're talking to a room full full of potential black beer drinkers, you're not gonna say people call it they're black beer drinkers or beer consumers. Um, and that's who you need to address. But if it's like split down the middle of all variety <laughs> and it's very like split beer drinkers are people of color that are beer drinkers like you can it's just kind of like reading the situation right thank you that makes sense because i think you know i mean we are all trying to be careful and mindful and not step on any toes and not offend anyone and so i mean i know i mean personally i've used the phrase people of color because i didn't know you know what to say and so i appreciate clarification because I think part of the conversation is knowing how to refer to each other and ourselves. I mean, do y'all want me to say I'm cracker librarian lady or do you want me to say like what am I supposed to call myself? I mean, you know, do you identify, do you identify as a cracker, Sharon? Can 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 we please get you a shirt that says cracker librarian lady? Please. Only if you get I, the shirt that says get off my front lawn or whatever I, 
would be very happy and proud to wear that at any time. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I think that's part of the conversation is like, okay, what's the language that we're going to use that, you know, so that we know when we're talking that we can say the word black and it's not offensive or we can Yeah, no, I mean, as long as you're not being offensive, it's not going to be offensive, you know, and um, the I... There's always like I don't want you to get deterred by that one or you know that that small number of people that might try to well don't call me you know the the overall and I also can't speak for the whole community <laughs> so you know um, it's a it's a real interesting time because people. Um, I, I understand where some white folks might be confused y'all want me to call y'all African American and y'all want me to call y'all black. At the end of the day, you can't use both interchangeably. And what feels more comfortable for you works, Black or African-American, people of color, again, is a general term. So if you're, if you're talking about a specific community, address that community. But is, is, is um, the sincerity behind it is really what is important. You know, you know, I don't want y'all to get caught up on, you know, tongue-tied on some stuff. But if you're trying to break into, um, if you're trying to introduce Black people to some craft beer or you're trying to do something good for the community and you say African-American and people are like, well, you should have said Black. That is, that is like minuscule. That actually won't happen. But um, at the end of the day, Black or African-American works. And I think that I, I, I feel like I probably speak on behalf of at least most of us, but probably all of us that like, we don't know what we don't know. And yeah. I, you know, we just, it, if, if there's something that y'all could specifically help me with is, is guidance, like being a guide, uh, offering just like you did, like, Hey man, you don't have to say this, you should say that, or, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be patronizing for you to say, hey, let's work together and plan an event and maybe pick a location that is not, you know, one of the Avatar beer bars right, where right. we can go and, and connect with folks about beer in, in a place where everybody feels comfortable. And I think that sort of advice and that sort of guidance is critically important. I mean, I'd I grew up Protestant, Presbyterian, and I remember the first time I went into a Catholic church, I sat down with my Catholic friends and was like, look, uh, you guys do a lot of stuff that we don't do, and I need to understand what that is and what I should, how I should act and the way, what I should do or what I shouldn't have do. have good needs to be Catholic. Right. What's that? Yes, you exactly. Have like, I need to know. To Catholic. <laughs> right. Like, I don't, you know, I, I need to know when I'm supposed to stand up or sit down or when I'm supposed to cross myself or not, and if you could just give me a few tidbits and then uh, just so I know how to act and, yep. and not make a fool of myself and, or worse, really offend somebody. Um, I, I worked at a Catholic church for a long time. And I remember the first time one of the priests came down, he came downstairs into our offices on Ash Wednesday. And uh, like, we didn't, we didn't get ashes in my church. And so he came down to try to put ashes on my head. I was like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Get away from me. And he got really offended. Um, but I just didn't know any better. I didn't. And, yeah. and I think that uh, having a coach in that manner 
is is critically important and really helpful. I think that's how we help break these barriers down. We absolutely stand in that place. And even with that, it's you were in the Catholic Church. That's the that's the takeaway from that part. You were right. in the Catholic Church. You didn't learn that in the Protestant Church. A Catholic person uh, did not come into that into your church and say, "Hey, yeah, we do. You know, we do the ashes on the forehead." You were in that space. So take that into consideration when this conversation happens. I mean, as we have this conversation, like you got to be in that space. And so right. we're absolutely, and our plan to be that bridge that connects with the SWIG and the Black Bear experience that connects those communities to help um, push that forward. And so we are at about two hours. So I want to go yes. ahead and, and wrap us up here. Um, <laughs> I just want to co-sign what Shawnee said. The Bearded Brother is here to help as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, we um we we're we're in it to win it, and we want um we really enjoy the craft beer community, and this is kind of just a plug for for craft beer in general. We really enjoy it, so we really want to see the diversity. We love it as is, and there's and there's more to be desired, and there's more to be achieved. So if it's if it's pretty dope right now, imagine what it can be. And right. so that's what that's what we want. Um, that's what we want to happen. That's what we want to uh, to help bring and you know with, with our podcast and what we're doing. So right. And how can people keep up with uh, various artists and Black Abbey's releases? Because the way you described them, I want a pint at this moment right now. <laughs> so how can I, I and other people know about your releases? Who can? Where can we follow you guys? Well, for various artists, various artists brewing or at various artists brewing, like I said, I'm a total caveman. And then through that, you can get to the Facebook page. And that's where all the up-to-date information is, especially now since everything is so much flux. Uh, just like take this opportunity to say uh, thank you to Sean and Kramer, Sharon, Carl. Great to uh, sit in with you guys. This is really good. It's the start. Uh, let's let's not let this be the, the last time we talk in the next couple of weeks because we got a little momentum to work on that. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, you can find us on the various social channels at Black Abbey Brew on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, the Facebook will take you there. And we also, we do a weekly email newsletter and you can sign up for that by going to at Black Abbey Brewing, which is our website. And there's a little box in there where you type in your email address and then you'll be on the list. Um, and we send that out just about every week. Perfect. And Sharon, how can people keep up with the association and kind of think like a high level view of what the association is doing for Tennessee? Our, we are on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and then of course we've got a website. Our, you know, the Guild is primarily an industry association. So, um, I mean, anybody can subscribe to our newsletter, but it's really focused on the nuts and bolts uh, and legislation and things like that. Um, but you can certainly go to our website, tncraftbrewers.org and subscribe to our email updates. I, I sent a couple out today, one about this evening's podcast and one about you know, the Tennessee business really. So it's kind of a, a spectrum of things. Um, 
I gear my communications specifically towards brewery owners and those that provide services and vendors for the breweries. Um, but having y'all, you know, subscribe to that or at least follow us on social media would be a great like editor, you know, insight into my communications and what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. So mm -hmm. I definitely encourage that. And then hopefully in the future, we'll get to co-host events again and, you know, do, do things in person. Um, but I think until then, you know, we'll just keep working towards the MTSU program with fermentation sciences. And then of course, I mean, the things that y'all have done so far with various artists, I think can be replicated with other places and other breweries. So I'm happy to be a connection and a conduit for any of that. Um, so I really appreciate the, you know, your candid comments and your insight and for making us feel welcome and, you know, like we can say things and um, not feel <laughs> Not feel judged. So thank you from the Cracker Librarian lady. <laughs> I have got to put that nickname in my phone. And yes, <laughs> whenever we exchange information, I'm like, that was the Cracker Librarian lady. I remember her. I remember you now, Sharon. Like, how much in then? I'm very commercially. And um, everybody can find us at the swig podcast on social media um you can find us our podcast on your favorite uh outlets podcast podcast outlets and then um if you want to email us to have further conversation it's the swig podcast at gmail.com so yes. we would love to have these conversations let's let's uh let's let's, let's expand this let's keep the conversation going yes. and we're only going to get better from here, people. There's, there's, you know, it's only up from here. Let's just call I mean, it what it is. And we're not that far down. So it's only up from here. Um, exactly. But Shawnee, how do they follow you? Like, what if they're like, I follow the swag. You can find me all over the socials at the Black Beer Experience. Yep. And then you can just find me wandering social media under the Bearded Brother. B-E-E-R-D-E-D. I it's signed the, emails, the bearded lady. I saw that. I was like, oh, the bearded lady. That it thought I thought about the bearded brother. It's brother. just it's fate, obviously. That's what it is. <laughs> See? Thank you guys for including us in this. This has really been great. I'm very thankful and just so grateful to have you guys as as partners in, in this. And I'm oh, yeah, just most definitely. thank you very much for including us. Yeah. We thank all you guys for actually coming and sit down and wanting to have this conversation and wanting to build upon what needs to be built upon. We just everybody wants to get better, you know. We just Absolutely. we just want to do better. Exactly, better than yesterday. You know what I mean? So we will catch y'all on. Uh, we'll catch y'all next week. Tune into our again. Tune into our podcast on all your so uh, your favorite podcast outlets. And we will holler at y'all. Deuces. Lift your glass to the Swig Podcast and keep toasting. Uh. Take a swig.